Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Welcome to another Dirt Road Circuit Riders Podcast. I'm Mike Hool with Doug Rutledge and Steve McVeigh. And as we, before we head in, I'm like, where are we all from? When people are here in like Wisconsin, Michigan, and Kansas, and we all know Wisconsin is God's country. If you're wondering, that's where God would actually live if he lived in the United States. That's the joke you say. Um, where is... A, I'm sure a God would. Some God would. <laughs> some God would. Some false but I was like, where in the world are there some false gods? Where in the world is Carmen Sandy? Yeah, where, and where in the world is reading, not reading, I learned, Michigan? Reading Michigan uh, phonetically as opposed to Reading, Michigan, which is Pennsylvania people who apparently can't read. All right, so <laughs> also, it's right here. It's on my hand. Everybody uh, okay. from Michigan it's, shows This is that. not a YouTube right, right thing. We need a, a podcast explanation. So there is a rib, ribbon of southern counties uh, across the bottom of the state. We're in the very southernmost part of the state, 10 miles from the Michigan Ohio, Indiana border, which is significant in that uh, during the 70s, uh, welfare, as I'm told, uh, the welfare restrictions for Michigan came down and people who had not qualified in Ohio and Indiana moved north. And so that created a socioeconomic ribbon across the bottom of the state, which is pretty interesting. It, uh, not a great one. And so there's a little bit of that. Um, Hillsdale County is the county we're in famous for Hillsdale College. Yeah, it's a farming community that's, uh, that went the way of most Michigan farms. The family farm kind of died off. It's not a happy story, but uh, that's where it is. <laughs> We're talking about loving it, I do. You know, it's interesting, um, just thinking about where I live in Chippewa Falls, and it's not Chippewa, it's Chippewa Falls, if you want to say it properly. Um, we're in the western part, northwestern part of the state of Wisconsin. Actually, we're not as north as people think we are. We're technically directly east of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Mm -hmm. If you draw a straight line, we're directly east about an hour and 45, hour and a half from the, we call the Twin Cities. Right. And so our big thing location-wise is this is a very old town, one of the older towns in Wisconsin, actually, because it had the riverways, the Chippewa River, mm -hmm. went through the falls. The falls are not under a dam. If you're under the company, you won't find the falls. You'd have to take the dam apart to find it. But it's a, it was a logging community. A lot of logging came in. And now everybody knows us for one reason, and that's because of Latin Coco Brewery. Uh, we, uh, we drink a lot of beer around here. No, but it's uh, we're known for Latin Coco Beer. Currently, we're not. Currently, we're not. We are yeah. drinking actually spring waters from Premium Waters, which is the other thing claimed to claim. Most of the Midwest water um, is bottled here in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Really? Yes. Because we have a spring underneath there of the falls. Yeah. Good. So, Steve, where in the world is Lamont, oh, not Lamont? Kansas. Not Lamont. Hey, 
So yeah, this is so interesting that we're doing this and explaining where we are, because today we are talking about learning our community, loving community, and the calling to our community. And so um, Lamont, I'm going to sort of answer the bigger question too. I'm going to tell you about why I was. I know I'm called here, and I'm going to throw that question to you guys before we start talking about the importance of it. Are you called to Chippewa Falls and to Reading, Michigan? Anyway. Um, <laughs> So Lamont is in the middle of the foothills. It's a community of 28 people. I can give you all of their names. Like if you were just looking at the map of Kansas and you drew a line from Kansas City to Wichita and put your finger right in the middle, mm -hmm. we'd be right about there, around 25 miles south, southeast of a town called Emporia, which is like where the closest Walmart and all that kind of stuff is. Um, we, we literally, we used to be a depot on a train route, a steam engine train route. There was an oil boom in that area and every 10 miles there'd be a depot where they'd load the trains mm -hmm. at the turn of the 19, you know, like, like 1900s. Mm -hmm. So every 10 miles there's a little town and those little towns have died off. I, I just like, I'm called there, okay? I'm not the senior pastor anymore. I'm, I'm their rural missions pastor. I've been there 20 years and we just trans transferred out. For me, I just want to tell you my story of like how I know, how I know for sure that I'm called to a month. My first venture into full-time ministry was in Akron, Ohio. Akron, Ohio at the time was the 72nd largest town in the United States. And it's directly you know, connected to Cleveland. 10,000 cars passed my church every day. We had seven acres, a beautiful building, a family life center with a gym. The church had had some fallings out. You know, it used to be much larger than it was. It was a church of 70. I think I told you last podcast, I grew it to 50 while I was there. But when I went there, I saw the buildings. I saw the property. I saw the cars passing. And I thought to myself, this is a mega church waiting to happen. All it needs is Super Pastor Steve to turn it around. And, and that was my seminary. Four years of learning that a great building and all that kind of stuff just wasn't going to work. And then I was invited by a friend to come down and speak at Lamont. We knew that it was opening. I mean, this, you know, so we, we drove down to Lamont, Kansas, and they really sort of tricked us. I had some business deals I needed to do in Kansas, and they're like, hey, speak at this church. I had a friend who worked for the district, and he had told me this is just an amazing group of people. So we go, we, we, we come to Lamont, and we drove through Madison first. I, this story is going to take way too long. I mean, literally houses about the size of two car garages, okay, in Madison. We had never seen anything like that before. We, you know, we, we were city folks. And we get out to Lamont, and there's this little one-room schoolhouse. And it has glazed orange, well, rust orange shag carpeting. It has, mm. you know, it, it has paneling. It has homemade wooden pews with orange uh, you know, pads that were put on them. I mean, it is, I was like in a state of shock. And then we met the people. And see, what I had been telling people about Akron, because I, I wanted to defend my wonderful growth of 70 to 50, is that what I had learned is that buildings and place didn't matter. That it didn't matter how many cars passed your church. It didn't matter how nice the buildings were. What made the difference was the people. And I, I walk into this setting where I have a group of people who've been told that their church should close. And they told the denomination, are you kidding? There are hundreds of people in our communities 
that do not know Jesus, no one else wants to reach them. We want to reach our community. And these people had a vibrancy to them. And so it's like God said to me, do you really believe it's about the people? Because if it is, here's a group of people. Mm-hmm. And we we walked away in shock. We had, I mean, seriously, I had never seen that that it was far more remote than I'd ever been a part of. I mean, it was just the building was horrible. It was, I mean, it just was. Remember the last podcast I told you there was a family of possums living underneath the wow. platform. Yeah. I mean, and in fact, we had an, I, well, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to just cut myself off here, but we had a district superintendent come into the building and he looked at it and he told us, you're never going to grow a church with orange shag carpeting. And so like within uh, like two years, we're running, you know, 120, 140 and you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'll always remember Easter Sunday, the third, that would have been the third Easter Sunday that I was there. We had to ask people to go outside. So like our core leadership group had to go outside because we just didn't have room for people. And our matriarch comes up to me and she says, you need to call our district superintendent, the orange orange shag carpet guy. You need to tell him so many people are standing on this carpet, no one knows what color it is. (laughs) That was fun. But that's, that's, so, so Vermont is very remote, but that's how I knew I was called there. I've been telling people, it isn't the building, it isn't how many people pass, it's the, it's the people of the congregation, do they have a heart for Jesus, and God set me up with a group of people, and I love Lamont. And so we were talking today, Michael, about loving where you are, learning your community. How do you know you're called to Chippewa Falls? Doug, how do you know you're called to reading at Crossroads Farm? Well, yeah. So, uh, so Don and I began a prayer early on. We wanted to uh, to see God use our entire lives, not just a few years of it. And so we began to pray, Lord, use everything we have, every day that we live, for as long as we live. Mm-hmm. That was our prayer. So we were looking for a place that was the stop, and not because I was old. I was uh, thirty nine at the time. Um, you know, really at the peak of when. Thriving churches are offering that kind of thing. And we sensed God's call before we ever landed in a place. So we knew God's call was to rural America because my wife grew up there. And I fell in love with my wife and I fell in love with her family and I fell in love with her community because of her. In her statement, I don't want to use her story. Someday, again, we should just have her come and tell the story of our community because it's rich. She knew that she was called and prayed for since she was a baby. And that embracing of their own raised a leader that I I have not seen many who are like. I guess in some respects, I knew that I was called to work with her in this community. uh, And I knew that I brought things to the table that she didn't bring. She knew that uh, you know, she brought things that I didn't bring. And so I, I found myself saying uh, maybe what Ruth said, you know, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And when I, when I realized this could be where God called us, and frankly, we did a national search looking for the rural community we were going to land in. And um, when we discovered the need of the community, God, I spoke about this a few podcasts ago, God began to break us. The brokenness created the love. It it wasn't vice versa. Mm -hmm. You know, so for me, it was a brokenness for the community. 
where I really sensed God's love. And then as a result of that brokenness, um, we just, we, I, I dove in at a different level. I knew I was called before I ever got there because God laid it on our hearts. And there's no other way to say that. It wasn't an event or you know, a thing that made me go, this is it. We did a search, we discovered the need, I knew my wife was from there, and her, in her words, she said, there is no way I'm going home again. Mm-hmm. Not because she didn't love it, but because she'd already allowed it to die so she could follow God anywhere. Uh, and yeah. he said, I'm going to send you back. That is awesome. That's great. What about you, Michael? I mean, are you called to... I, I can't even... I'm, I'm afraid to say Chippewa. That's okay. <laughs> and, and Chippewa Falls is uh, uh, two things. One, I, three years before we actually moved here, I was starting to be my wife, and we love her. A little place called Tomahawk, Wisconsin. Showed it to them. God bless them. Small town, 3,500. But it was lake resort world. I had access to free boats, free fishing, free pontoons, and free golf. And I was like, why would I ever leave this place? Mm-hmm. And we were driving to her falls. And I mentioned to my wife, you know, if we ever moved anywhere, I could live here. And then, but the reality is we had a radical calling. Like we were called at a specific time at a conference to Chippewa. We fought it. We actually had a Jonah moment for like the next two years. We fought it as hard as we possibly could. We didn't want to, there's nothing against Chippewa. We just didn't want to leave where we, we, we love where we lived. Mm-hmm. And the Lord actually radically moved us fast. Like we put for sale sign behind a post, a decorative post in our dead in up a hill road in Tomahawk where no one goes for sale by owner in a bad economy in 2005. When the economy was starting to really start to bottom in the housing mm-hmm. market. Sold the house in less than 10 days above asking price. Mm-hmm. And no one was even competing with the guy. He gave me more than what I asked. So he gave wow. my washer and dryer, which was weird. Um, <laughs> like he had an extra thousand for a used washer and dryer. He was on, but she'd never seen that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it away. was Northern Wisconsin. No, I love her. But we, but you know, we, we were like we moved here, and honestly, we didn't know what we were doing at first. We just knew we were called here. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to myself, as I watched my kids grow, and they didn't know people right away. It was a hard transition for us. So our children like went to school. It was first grade and third grade. And now one's out of college and one's in their senior year of college. So he's how long we've been here now. And I remember about a year in, and it had been a struggle a couple of years. And like We struggled. Like we learned everything on the fly here. Like not how to plant a church 101 for the first five years. I could tell you how to do it. I should write a book on that, not how to plant a church. And then the next five, we learned from that. But the reality is, is in that calling, in that moment when we got here and I looked around, there was this, not just a brokenness for the people, but the idea that, I just loved them for who they were, mm. not even who they could be yet. Mm. And I, when we got to that spot, I'm very fiercely defensive of my town. Like yeah. someone said at a level that's like never seen. Like I like love this town. You, if you say something bad about this town, you can badmouth me all you want. But badmouth my town, and yeah. we're gonna throw it out. Like that's yes. it. That's my moment <laughs> because I love my town. But I had to learn about it, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we're gonna start with today. Is how do we learn about our towns? Yeah, yeah, and I'm just really drawn to this Acts chapter 16, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to go through this quickly, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll get to this question of loving and learning. But Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of, and I can't say Chippewa Falls, I can't say Prygia, I can't anyway. That they go through Galatia, having catch this, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So the Holy Spirit stops them from preaching the word in a a particular place. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, 
but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Here's a huge lesson here, I think. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas during the night. Paul had a vision, and it's during the night. And you guys know the Macedonian call. A man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after, verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. They end up in the capital city of that area. They, they go to Philippi. And Paul later says about the Philippian church, every time I remember you, I always have joy because of our partnership in the gospel from the first day to now. And so when you're called, you love a place. I mean, you can give your heart to it. And, and then the, the really what we're after today is loving and learning a community. So step one, I'm called here and I love these people. I love what you said, Michael, as they are. I mean, this. I'm not going to be that insecure pastor we talked about last time who hates my people because they're not helping me achieve my mission. I love you. Real people want to be loved. But the question then becomes, once I've done that, once I know I'm called, once I know that I love them, what do I need to learn about a community? You know, it, there's a ton there, and I'll, I'll come to that round by, a roundabout yes. way. But I'll start by saying this. We have a cultural problem in rural America with uh, the people I work with, which is teenagers. Mm -hmm. And after living in a small rural community, so many of them say, I am going to blow this pop stand and never come ah. back. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the critical factors is that we as, as spiritual leaders in a, in a culture need to provide an opportunity for them to love as well. We need to let them see love through our eyes, especially if we've come into a community and haven't been raised there, to let them see the new love so they understand it. Because any love relationship starts with romance and develops intimacy. Oh, romance yeah. launches the relationship, but intimacy keeps you in it. And I, you know, romance is just, if you change, or I, I see this vision, this vision of who you could be, if molded and shaped in the right hands, you know, yeah. you could be something really worthwhile. That's romance. We, we're not about romance. We're about intimacy. I see who you are. I see your flaws. I see those things. You said, you know, learning, what do I, you have to learn the rhythm of the community and not try and circumvent it. Yes. Oh yes. So you know. So people ask me, um, like, well, what? You know, your, your church calendar. You're just so weird, Mike, because you start September first and end August thirty first. That's our calendar in our church. So right. we start a new year mm -hmm. being in September. Mm -hmm. So why? Because it fits our culture. Mm -hmm. I was used to do a January December, and people look at me like, why are we doing the middle of winter? Because nothing's happening here. Like it kicks off of school, and school starts September first. Rural community like school. School is based. So so learn 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 about like what your rhythm, what your culture schedule is like. Learn the history of your history. Town. Yes. Because right now I'm gonna tell you one tell you about Chippewa Falls. If you've seen the movie Titanic, Jack, the, the main character, yeah. Yeah. is from Lake Wasota, Wisconsin. That's part of Chippewa. Lake Wasota did not exist. Everybody I'm telling you did not exist when the Titanic was around. It's a man-made large lake. It was made after. If you want to angry people from Chippewa Falls, talk about Titanic, and you'll have a whole long speech about that. Mike's going to throw down. I'm going to yes. throw down. This is one of my things. I didn't get that at first. I made that mistake. 
I learned the history of my town. Like we all tell some history of our towns. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, the history who are who our favorite sons are, who are who's famous from our town, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like in Lamont, uh, I had to learn. You know, the, the I had to learn the history of the church too. The history was founded by a guy by the name of H. K. Busby, a nationally known evangelist. His son Dan Busby was the president of the ECFA. You know, like one of the most you know, always listed as one of the most influential. Christian businessmen in the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to honor that. I had to, you know, I had to know that history. I, I had to know that those pews. I talked to you about, you know, I walked in and there's like homemade pews. I had to know that Maureen's husband was the one that had built those yeah. pews during the Depression, sacrificially had bought plywood. I mean, you know, those things. I, I had to realize, I had to learn the history so that I don't do something Stupid. Like you're gonna burn somebody. the pews because they. So let's take those out back and burn them. You are going to be burning sacred ground. Oh my well, goodness! And, and I think there's a, a reality of then knowing who the influencers are. Who are, are the village influencers yeah. in your town? You need to so learn that history, influencers, history, and then influencers. Because here's the deal. I have there's a person in town. Um, we have two lovely coffee houses in this town. Love them both equally, but one was my friend. She is this, you know, like the, like the seven degrees to Kevin Bacon. She mm-hmm. says seven degrees to everybody in this town. Mm-hmm. So when we started a school supply drive, true story about influence. We started a school supply drive. I went to her because we need backpacks. I said, Tracy, this is my reality. She took care of, I got it. Within two weeks, all our backpacks were covered for the event mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she knew who to talk to. Yes. Now, the influencers might not always be the mayor. The mayor, by the way, goes to our church. is a dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. In our town, but I'm telling you, you got to learn your influencers, and I'll tell you, you want to learn what the issues of your town is. The issues, yes. So talk to the local mayor because he's probably bivocational in every rural town. They are they using their job. Take them out for coffee or supper. Talk to the um, there's a chief of police. If there's someone running the police department somewhere, mm-hmm. talk to them. Uh, talk to someone that's um, superintendent of schools are like gold. Because yep. they always know. Yep. So like those are things like I just say basic stuff, but like learn the issues of your town. Because don't assume you know those issues when you walk into a town. Oh yeah. And know the issues. So all of this, everything is just interconnected. This is this is spaghetti. It isn't cubby holes. You know what I'm right. saying? Absolutely. And and so like know the history and the issues of your church. I was talking to a, a, a brand new world pastor just uh, last week. Uh, who I, I have to be so careful because you know I got to keep confidence and stuff. But literally had moved across the country into a community of around twenty five hundred, and immediately had someone from the church come and tell them about their vision to start a brand new Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. And in a in a group setting where we iron sharpens iron with rural pastors, he was like, "Okay, this sounds so exciting, but I have this nagging feeling." And I'm like, "Okay, you're brand new there. You need to find out." Is there a history to this? Mm-hmm. Is this someone who's excited that something is changing? Or are you being dragged into a long-term dispute that's been going on in that church? You've got to be very, very careful and learn the history, learn the dynamics. And can I add one more? You need to figure out who's related to who. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. never yes, understood well, that as a city person. No, I care the answer is simple. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Everybody's related somehow to everybody through marriage, through divorce and remarriage, oh my. through step cousins, step sisters, step aunts, uncles. Uh, you pick it, they're all related, man. And more than that, in the city, 
People don't know that. But in, in rural communities, people are like, that's my second cousin, or that's my aunt, you oh, know, yes. my great aunt, my second so, cousin twice removed. And you're like, oh, I don't even know what that means. So yes. I'm walking in, and this is what you need to learn to know this. So my grandma grew up in a town that I'm going to be speaking at this weekend, um, 30 miles east of here. And I, I'm going to give her maiden name, which is Van Zuffer. There's a last name for you, Van Zuffer. And this is, but if you're in Wisconsin, you'll appreciate that. Um, I'm going to literally yeah. start off my sermon letting them know my grandma grew up in their town, even though that was like 50 years ago or 100 years ago. Yeah. Like, they're going to want to know that because that immediately attaches them to like 18 people. Those 18 people attach them to the rest of the 2,500, and now I'm coming to the town. Well, we don't need no outsider coming in and telling no. us what to do. So but... I've got a family member. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's a grandson. That's, that's a grandson. That's that's grand right. So you guys know this. It's not about learning one or two things. It's about oh. learning the community. So, and I, I'll phrase it this way. I have to love the community enough to learn it. Yes. Mm. And then I have to love it enough to tell them. My wife and I have this this code. Oh so my, we say, serious. I love you enough to learn you. If you talk to a married couple or they're getting married and they say, you know, I, I, I got it down. You're like, you are, you're in for a rude awakening. You're going to spend so much time learning the nuances of who you're married to. And the good news is if you stay married to them for your entire life, you'll be closer to it. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I love that concept, but we also love each other en enough to tell each other. It comes after building the trust of legitimately learning them enough to know the rhythms, the cultures, the practice. So, you know, why is that gate there? Uh, it keeps the bull in. You <laughs> yeah, don't get right. rid of the gate unless you want to <laughs> yes. die. Right? Yes. And uh, I, I think, you know, before you start moving, yes. just... Do a lot of lunches. Yes. Do a lot of breakfasts. Yes. So I joke about the thing about taking we call the informal surveys in our yeah. church. Mm, yeah. We always I always have three questions in my back pocket that I'm going to ask people in town. It's very innocuous. It's not very formal. I don't have a notepad. Right. But in a conversation, because I'm going to learn about their life, yeah. and two, I learn about their life. I actually learn about the town. Most people have grown up here. When you learn about their life, you learn about the town. Yes. And that's an investment. And so I learn about you enough to keep loving you, and then I can start to be truth. But the big thing that I think as a pastor, either in transition, planting, or church return revitalize, is taking time to learn everything and then really appreciate why they've got there and oh, wow. honor that before you move into change. Yes. And learning and loving have to go hand in hand, is yes. what you're saying. Yes. Because sometimes the more you learn, you learn some things that you aren't necessarily excited about. Right. And, and so you have to, I'm going to love you warts and all. Yeah. Because I'm, I am not, as a real person, okay, so like I put myself repeatedly in the position of a rural congregant who has had pastor after pastor come in. You know, there's like this rotation because we're like the invisible minor leagues, okay. you know. Mm -hmm. and, and here's what I know. If I cooperate with that pastor's leadership and that pastor really takes off, then like our church grows. Okay, let's just, I mean, let's just lay this out. If our church really grows and my pastor isn't called here, like he hasn't had that Acts 16 moment and this is where they are, they're learning us, they're loving us. If we are successful, someone else is going to nab that pastor. Yep. It, you know, they're, they're, they're going to go up, they're, they're, in, they're in single A ball, they're going to get called to the major leagues, right. and then we're going to get the next loser that comes in and have to figure out whether or not he loves us or not. So oh, that's this a is great way to say it. Yeah, yes. and let's speak to that. If you're not called to a community long-term, don't go. 
Oh, if you're not yes. called oh. long term to a rural community, don't go. Or at the very least, don't change anything right. while you're there. Right. Just, just be it. If you're all you are is a chaplain, be a chaplain. So here's the deal that I tell pastors. Now, it doesn't have to be true, but you need to commit to your town for a decade minimum every time you want. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and if you're not willing to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to put everything else on a shelf. Now, you can pull me out. You have the right to pull me yes. in. But I'm not going to pull myself out of this situation for 10 years. And then I tell a real pastor that that 10-year mark, you're making a decision to re for another decade, yeah. not yeah. another two. When you can do that, it takes all the, the second-best choices, I call it, that the enemy gives right. us, the second-best options off the table, and say, I am committed. Mm -hmm. And when they hear that, boy, people are like, whoa, yeah. it's 10 years. I, I think... Uh, yeah, I, I think that one of the greatest investments is when my family's invested. When mm -hmm. I put my kids in the same school as your kids, when my kids are on the same teams as your kids, and maybe you don't, maybe you're not at that point where you have a family, or maybe your your family's you know moved on. I I think that you have to be at the games, oh, you have yes. to be at oh, the absolutely. school plays. That's you, part of loving and learning. In Hillsdale County, there is a proud banner on the side of the bandstand at, at our county fair. And it says Hillsdale County Fair, the most popular fair on the planet. That's important to us. Yes. And it, it's history. It goes back to, I believe, around uh, the turn of the century when the population of the county was 20,000, but the attendance at the fair was twice that. Right. Wow. And so you, you're talking about a, a history that's so valuable. Hillsdale County, the most popular fair on earth. And I think yes. you have to embrace who that community is, because if you're a preacher and you say, "Look, you know this is this place is is terrible," and look at what goes on here, you're you're alienating people. Oh yeah, right. And I think when you love your community, it means you love your sports teams. You're not into sports. It means you show up for football, basketball, and all that yes. stuff. Yeah. It means you you're for them. Mm -hmm. So here's here's why I think when you learn and love, you start finding things you're for in the community. Yes. And, and I, I don't want to push into the other side of life here, like mm -hmm. pull up all this stuff, but. Christians get so known for what they're against instead of what they're for. Yeah. Yes. And if you can show what you're for in your community, you're learning about your community, then you're loving it, and then you're really for it. Yes. It's amazing what you can speak truth into. Like, like then you can speak truth and you can say, yes. hey, this isn't healthy. Let's work on this. Yes. If people aren't convinced that you love them, they're not going to follow you. And they and if they're convinced that you're looking to leave. So part of the Lamont story, remember I was telling you about, you know, the orange carpet and we had to have people stand outside and all that kind of stuff. So we needed to build a new building and we're in a community of 40, you know, 15 mile radius, yeah. less than 1500 people. All right. And we're talking about building a church, spending a half a million dollars on a, a, a you know, because we're a classic country church, we're a metal building that is, you know, we have, you know, we. We took care of the inside, so it looks nice, but from the outside, it's just a metal building. That's the ideal rural setting. But we, we're still, we're talking about a major investment. And this is 2004 mm -hmm. when we needed to build. My daughter graduates from high school in 2013. I want you to do the math here. Yep. I've been there four years, okay? I'm getting calls every day. And, and that's an exaggeration. But, you know, you know when in, in our denomination... It's the spring. We call it the mating season. It's sort of like, it's sort of like, it's sort of like the rut for the Wesleyan Church. Okay, it's, you know, when pastors, when pastors do their uh, their transitions, you know, I get all the calls and all this kind of stuff. 
because the invisible minor leagues. All right, so the pastoral free agency, yes. as it were. By the way, no one wanted me when I grew the church from seventy to fifty. But anyway, that's you know now a church has grown and we you know we quad whatever it was you know we you know so oh steam is this anyway. Here's what I told them: if we're going to go into this building project, I'm going to be asking you to give a half a million dollars. I'm going to be asking you to give all sorts of hours. I am committing to you that we will not even consider leaving until Rebecca graduates in 2013. This is 2004. Mm -hmm. That sealed the deal. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, why on earth would they follow you if they think you're going to leave? So sort of part of loving and learning is this commitment, this calling. And maybe we should add that to this list. We said loving and learning, learning but being called. I mean, this is where I'm supposed yeah. to be. You know, I, I, um, I, we have a sign up in the nursery center that says, I know it, I live it, and I love it. And I think that's like really mm -hmm. probably what we're talking about today. I know that I'm called. I live it out by learning my community, and I love my community. I, I can tell the cows are coming home here, uh, but I, I wanted to say while Mike is reading that sign in the nursery, nothing quite keeps you grounded by realizing the podcast is being done in a nursery where I'm reading the Llama Llama Nighty Night. <laughs> That's a great book. I'm yeah. sure. I, and this is what makes us. And this is what makes us rural, by the way. Um, we are literally. If you think we're a high tech podcast, no, we're, we're definitely not coming down from the mountaintop on the internet. I do not think anybody is thinking. Oh, that. Just, <laughs> just in case, if you were in any doubt at all, we just. Crush that yes. completely. I'm sure we're not in a studio. All three of us have PhDs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we can throw that in as a bonus material. If, wow. you, if you have a PhD, do not let anyone in your rural church know. Okay, that's just free. That's, that's free advice. That's just true. for the end of the yeah, but for the end of Good the podcast. Words. Good words. So anyhow, um, is there anything else, Doug? Before we, we wrap up today, we learned it, we loved it, we're committed to it, we're yeah. called to it. Yeah. That's before you change anything. Yeah. That's where we have to be. I, I love you first, and so, I love you enough to tell you after you trust me. You yes. bet. And, I, and for that note, we love you guys. We hope you're having a great week. Take care, everybody. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.CrossroadsFarm.org Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.